She was just another one of the girls from a large Catholic family in a small town in Ireland's County Cork. And from that springboard, she moved to America and is having a grand old time exploring her place in the world. Maeve Higgins has been making waves with her starring roles in the movie Extraordinary and the play Autumn Royal, both set in her home turf, a little outside of Cork City. She's also written a book called Tell Everyone on This Train That I Love Them to share her views from New York City during the pandemic. Maeve Higgins joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves to give us some insider perspectives on what we should look for next time we're in the south of Ireland. Maeve, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. And this is one of my favorite subjects. That's great, because you left Cork for New York City, and now you're mm-hmm. you're settling in our country, but you've got deep roots in the old country. Tell us, first of all, how much of your life did you live in the south of Ireland, and when were you back most recently? Well, I grew up there, so most of my childhood. And then I suppose I left for Dublin, which is what a lot of us end up doing. Uh, when I was 17. And then I was most recently back there the summer of 2021. And I spent a lot of time in Cork and particularly West Cork. So Cork is the, it's the county in the south of Ireland. And it's also the major city in the south of Ireland. That's right. Yeah. When you said you were in Dublin in your late teen years, I bet you went to Croke Park for a hurling match. I've been to Croke Park. Yeah, for a match. It's a huge Mm -hmm. stadium. And I went there as a kid and I still hear this shrill yelling in my ear of people from Kilkenny. Go oh. Kilkenny! Go <laughs> Kilkenny! And I was reminded Ireland's a small island of just three or four million people, I guess. And you've packed that Croke Park at a hurling match. That's the sort of the national pastime of Ireland. And the passions and the pride of the counties just rings out. Talk about the passion of different counties. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, as you said, it's a tiny place, but we have, you know, different accents. We have all these ludicrous kind of (laughs) claims that we make about our own. I mean, what I would say about Cork, and this is fact, it's the biggest county. Again, facts, the most beautiful women are from Cork. And again, facts, the best storytellers and the most gorgeous stout. I know you're a Guinness drink, but we have Murphy's. No, Murphy's. I'm a Murphy's drinker, actually. Oh, excellent. Because in our previous conversations, you've mentioned Guinness and I've really held my tongue. Uh, um, <laughs> but the thing is, if you grow up somewhere like Cork, certainly the brewery, there's this kind of the smell, right? The kind of chocolatey, hoppy smell. So even before you're of drinking age, it's kind of like part of the fabric of the city. Oh, let's talk about Cork. You grew up in Cove, which is kind of a a little town right next to Cork, but I would imagine the big city for you was Cork. Yes. I mean, we would go to Cork to see the Christmas lights and we'd go to Cork on our birthdays to visit, you know, McDonald's, that little little mom and pop restaurant that came from America. McDonald's. That was a big deal in in Ireland because I know that was a big deal in Eastern Europe when it arrived, but that's... Oh, I I mean, it was huge in Ireland in the 80s. And that's also the reason why, you know, these first cities like Dublin and, you know, like, yes, it has a lot to offer, but it also has a lot of Starbucks and hotels. And right. Cork is, you know, it has this beautiful, fresh food market. You can walk the whole city. It has a butter museum, for goodness sake. I mean, first of all, butter is the best substance known to man. And then there's a whole museum devoted to it. And you can, it, this is a good example, the Bells of Shandon. So you can, right near the butter museum and near the old sweet factory, you can go up in the church in Shandon and you can ring the bells yourself. They still let tourists go up. I think it costs like three euro. 
and you go up and you can ring them away and it, it just bangs out over the whole city. It's so much fun. It's quite dangerous, <laughs> but it's brilliant. And, you know, it hasn't been uh, sort of it's not busy enough and it hasn't been kind of taken over um, right. commercially, you know. You know, you made a very good insight, and that's talking about how a big city like Dublin would have that more global flavor that uh, a lot of chain stores, a lot of uh, relative affluence. And then when you go out into the country, you find uh, towns that are are more purely local, and Cork on the south coast would be that, and Cove, the town where you grew up. And, you know, when I was in Cove, I was really struck by how much history has happened right there. Uh, Cove has this wonderful heritage center, that uh, talks about emigration and the Irish famine. And then you've got the Titanic's last stop in 1912 was in Cove. Queen Victoria, whose first step in Ireland was, was it Cove or was it Cork? Yeah, that's right. It was, um, I think she sailed past Cove and that's why Cove used to be called Queenstown, actually. Oh, okay. um, Because of Queen Victoria's visit. So you're right. It's a very historic place. It's so small. It's an island in Cork Harbour. And it's a port. So it's where, you know, actually millions, two million people left. And you mentioned earlier, the entire population of Ireland is four million, the Republic. So two. So when people left Ireland, they, they generally left then through the port on the south coast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And these were in the worst years of, you know. During the famine and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, this was over time. But yeah, literally millions, millions left. And then you go to these heritage centers, Maeve, and they are really thoughtfully done. So if you want to learn about the emigration, if you want to learn about the the Irish famine and the coffin ships and all of that, it's beautifully, beautifully presented in these various museums in the little town of Cove. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I remember going as a little girl to the heritage center and uh, I was terrified because they have a real a reenactment of a coffin ship, which were, you know, the ships that people used oh, yeah. to um, make these terrible journeys across the Atlantic. Sometimes they'd live, often they wouldn't. And so I was, you know, six years old, traipsing through this uh, you know, coffin ship, like, well, what's wrong with that man? Oh, <laughs> um, and they have these people that are role playing. So you walk yes, in there. I've been to that yes. same. Uh, there's a there's a coffin ship that tourists go to now. And and it takes you right back. It's it's fascinating. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Irish-born comedian and writer Maeve Higgins. Her latest book of observations is called Tell Everyone on This Train I Love Them. She's also written Maeve in America, essays by a girl from somewhere else. And you'll see her byline on columns in the New York Times and the Irish Times. Maeve posts to Twitter at Maeve Higgins. That's M-A-E-V-E. And she's with us today to talk about her homeland and her hometown in County Cork in the south of Ireland. Maeve, when I'm in Ireland, I often find myself thinking about what they call thin places. And thin places is kind of like a a notion that the atmosphere is thinner and you're closer to heaven. And it can be in a pagan, pre-Christian way, or it can be in a way uh, when when Christianity came to Ireland and it was known as the Isle of Saints and Scholars back when Europe was in what a lot of people called the Dark Ages and it was just rutting in the mud and almost illiterate. Uh, There were were thoughtful people and there was lots of culture and lots of uh, activity going on in the monastic communities of Ireland. Talk a little bit about thin places in the Emerald Isle. Yeah, I think they're hard to describe, but when you feel them, you really feel them. And to me, it feels a little bit like it's something it's like all of these layers that make up our consciousness, the the way we're alive. 
And it's sort of when you feel this little pull or you get this little glimpse into something much more vast and much less literal. Mm. Um, And I've experienced them in other parts of the world, too. I don't know how related it is to any particular religion, but it does feel spiritual for sure. You feel that way. Mm -hmm. It is the oddest thing, but I feel that way in corners of Ireland. Like there's pilgrimage spots. What is it, Crow Patrick, where people Crow for Patrick, centuries where you climb up the mountain and yeah. some people don't wear their shoes and yeah. yeah. And then of course in Ireland, in, especially in the west and the south of Ireland, it's like an open air folk museum with megalithic sites and and mysterious stone structures from ancient times and and there's these what do they call them uh, fairy trees or fairy castles oh, like, or something. Yeah, that's right. I mean, some some it's a blend, isn't it, of. Um, very real things. I remember I was on Bear Island, which is this most gorgeous island off Castletown Bear, again in West Cork. And there was these, you know, ancient wedge tombs right, just in a right. field, just sheep grazing around it. And, you know, it's a physical thing that's there that you and can't help they, but feel. And the Irish people, even like engineers sent out from Dublin with a job to do a road to build. They go, oh, no, no, we're not going to violate that fairy castle there. <laughs> and they'll they'll make the road kink around that. Well, uh, strange little spot, that holy well. Sometimes there's a well that is really a special place. Yeah, and so that's, it's difficult to parse out, you know, what is superstition and then what is genuinely, you know, I mean, it's difficult for me because I'm not an expert, but I really do think it's worth preserving um, folk wisdom and indigenous wisdom and that we can actually learn a lot from it. And I sometimes have to fight back my own skepticism of things like that and Mm -hmm. certainly being there physically and feeling it and putting yourself in those situations is a beautiful thing. This is what your specialty is, is taking these perspectives. And I'm just wondering, I've always thought you learn a lot about your own country by leaving it and looking at it from a distance. What kind of perspective does leaving Ireland give you about your, your homeland now that you've lived for 10 years in New York? Yeah, I mean, I do think I have some clarity now about where Ireland fits in and what growing up in Ireland, how it formed me. And I suppose it's kind of a funny blend of pride and then also an understanding of like how small we are. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. Yeah, there would be pride and there also would be a little bit of humbleness to see that, oh, if you're ethnocentric in Ireland... You really have a small world. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think that so much of the success of Ireland, even as an idea, has been the people that have left and have blended into other cultures and, and gained strength from teaming up with their new neighbours and their new communities wherever they ended up, you know, because Irish people went all over the place, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Well, Maeve Higgins, uh, the book is Tell Everyone on This Train I Love Them. And your other book, Maeve in America, Just congratulations on how you're contributing to our better understanding, not only of Ireland, but of ourselves. Well, thank you. I really enjoy our conversations, Rick. I appreciate you. Take care, Maeve. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, I share highlights of a lifetime of exploring Europe. My favorite experiences, sights, and encounters in 100 essays. Order your copy today at ricksteves.com.